1: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And, and John, since we last had a podcast, remember we had the week off, you are now a a double dog daddy. You <laughs> welcome the new dog to the family.
2: Yes, her name is Hershey. Uh, she's a sweet girl. See, that's how that all works. Chocolate lab, uh, no. Uh, she's a um, a multi a multipoo I think they call it a, a okay. Maltese and Toy Poodle. At least Wasn't it can be my worked into it, yeah. it can be worked into
1: Hershey's chocolate. So it's like a Hershey's chocolate malt uh-huh, type of right type of right. pup there. Okay, that kind of thing. That, glad yeah. we got that over with. Also over with is training camp. We are are through the Saint Joseph portion of the year. We actually just as we're recording right now, I just got home from the last full reporter practice of the year. From here on out, we can only watch the warm-ups and take attendance and whatnot because the chiefs as of this moment are, are likely going to start game planning and, and have some of that tape out there for what will be the Detroit lions. I know that there is a preseason game coming up on Saturday. We'll have all the updates for you at ArrowheadPride.com noon at home against the Cleveland Browns. I know some of you will be out there, but it's pretty much, I, I think, when you're talking about the ones and maybe some of the twos preparing for the Lions. This is a game that's coming up fast, 15 days away. We know about the whole Chris Jones situation. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll go through the news. On the other side of the break, we will name our training camp and preseason awards. So we have several awards. Uh, the, the favorite curmudgeon of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Steve Serta. Will join us, and so we will have a roundtable, uh, giving out some of these awards, uh, remembering what was the month of training camp. Okay, almost the news, but we did get one review in two oh. weeks. By the way, we were off for two weeks. We only got one review. We need to do better as a group here. We're let's look. Let's try to get three a week. If you're a big fan of the show, go to Apple, give us the five stars, ask us a question, uh, make a comment. We'll talk about it before we get in, uh, into anything here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show this from my nickname does Charles amenahue count as a roster spot on the initial 53 or there is there a suspended list and we just activate him after everyone wants to bring in a vet but we already have a clear eight nine with Thompson uh, D lineman so wouldn't there have to be a surprise cut injury trade assuming Jones uh, is back week one and he listed out the players who who he thinks will make it yes so in in the 53 man roster which by the way happens John, on Tuesday. So that's coming up. We'll Mm -hmm. be, we'll be, and we won't, we'll actually be having an editor show before that. As of next week, Steve wanted me to tell you that. So I'm not going to forget the Arrowhead pride (laughs) editor show goes to it's in season day, which is Monday. So we didn't have you for two weeks, but we're having a Wednesday show. And then you get us again on Monday leading into the cut, which is the 29th and maybe a little preview of the preview. Charles does not count uh, against 53. It's unfortunate because I think the chiefs could use them. And we talked about his suspension and how the Chiefs knew the suspension was coming, John. But you are a, a transaction master in your own right. Uh, <laughs> no amenahue against the fifty-three.
2: Right. When when you go on the what they call the commissioner's exempt list, you're just off the team's roster. So um, at this point, now, but only when the season begins because that's when his suspension begins, as with week one. So uh, he will not be on the roster on august 29th automatically which means the chiefs can pick up an extra player to take his place for a period of time uh, which is probably a good thing because they're going to have to carry chris jones on the roster if i'm not mistaken even though he's not showing up so um that will work out okay for the first six weeks of the season um if uh, jones doesn't show up which i i hope he does i'm still i I still have hope that he's going to report but I'm I'm kind of losing out on any possibility that he might uh, play in the first couple of weeks of the season, at least. You,
1: you would almost think
2: that there should be
1: some type of like, do not report lists in this whole situation, because this is mm-hmm. tough. The chiefs roster yeah. is tight. I'm going to yeah. be doing uh, another 53. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it before the game or after the game. So I'm not going to promise you when, but as you're crunching this roster, it's just it, it's difficult to to fit some guys in. And the fact that Chris Jones, who and we'll get to it in a second, is, is just not reporting. We don't know when he's going to report and is taking up a spot it, is costing what could be a young player, a roster spot, a, a player that maybe they need. Uh, I think the money that he's currently eating up as far as a salary cap might be preventing them from going and getting somebody like a Carlos Dunlap who you hope stayed in shape and if they do still have interest and, and could be in the mix for them as, as you're trying to build this defensive line room. So quite a conundrum for the chiefs. Let's get right into that. I, I mentioned, I had just come from the practice at Arrowhead stadium out of practice for the chiefs on Wednesday, John, Nick Allegretti, Matt Dickerson. We mentioned Chris Jones, Nick Jones, the cornerback, George Karloff, Nico Niko Remigio, Legere Sneed, and Kadarius Tony. So that is a, a long list of players. And you, you noted uh, that we didn't see Chris Jones there again today. Uh, let's start there because this is quite obviously the biggest story that Chiefs fans have on their mind right now. And created some waves yesterday, John, with Chris Jones answering a fan uh, about when he would arrive to camp or practice, I should say at this point with the chiefs. And he said week eight, and that led, of course, uh, several reporters that opens up a window to ask Andy Reed about it again. And I just thought that Andy Reed's quotes, and I know that Steve has them up on from the podium. So this one is worth listening to in full. So yeah, stop us right now. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to this exchange with Andy Reed. But I thought it was particularly forward for him. I, not mm-hmm. that he hasn't been forward before, but it was, in the, in a sense, fed up. And sometimes, you know, I've been in, in the press conference room plenty of times with Andy Reid. Sometimes if you ask him follow up questions on the same thing and, a, and it's a tough subject matter, he gets upset. But he really wasn't upset at the media today. I was getting the vibe that he just is like plain old upset with Chris confirming that communication has come to apparently a, a complete halt between
2: the two sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No communication is pretty clear, isn't it? Um that's what Reed will always say in a situation like this well there's communication so that's a good thing you know they're talking to each other as far as Andy Reed is concerned as long as people are talking uh, there's still hope that some kind of accommodation can be reached it's you know at some level but uh, it was clear today when he said there's no communication that he was not at all happy about it and right. um, that's and and he shouldn't be quite honestly there's there, there's no reason for this to be going on like this. I'm sorry. I I said yesterday that I think that Chris Jones is either getting bad advice or he's ignoring good advice that he's being given. I just don't see what the point of this is. Uh, I don't see how it serves him. I don't see how it serves the team, but I say that without knowing a lot of, a lot of things that would enter into, you know uh, how we should evaluate this, you know, what, the chiefs have offered what Jones and his camp want uh, you know, how all, all that shakes out. We know almost nothing about that. Yeah, and maybe if we did, we'd feel differently, but not knowing anything, it looks bad. It, it's the case of it,
1: of it being like there's two sides to every story. So sure. today we got the chief side of it, which is there's no communication. And so I, I don't think they would say that if there were communicate, like, I don't think any reader is just right. getting up there and straight up lying to us. So right. what I take that as is, Jones's re- representation has said you're going to meet this a- annual value. A $30 million number has been out there. Who knows if, if it's even more than that, you know, with, with it being a stalemate, you wonder if he's asking for Aaron, Aaron Donald type of money. And the chiefs has said, no, we, we have to negotiate here. This is not a negotiation. This isn't just a one-sided demand where, you know, you name your price. And I, I don't know what, like I'm not going to sit here and say one side is right or or the other is right but right. Mm-hmm. let's say you are Chris Jones's side. You saw a year ago that a player who in my opinion and I I think it should be consensus if you want to argue Otis Taylor but to me is very clearly the best wide receiver in franchise history. It's not the Chiefs are known for their tight ends not not so much the wide receivers. Shout out to to Dwayne Bell. You were great. But uh, Tyreek Hill was the best wide receiver in Chiefs history by far. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He said, I know you guys are paying me, but I want to be here. And you you know what the Chiefs said? We're we're trading you away. And we're going to just try to make the most of it. Different timetable than this. This is a little bit more complicated, of course. But I just think the Chiefs in general showed you there. Look, we're always, except when it comes to Mahomes, I think. But Mahomes plays ball, but we're always going to put the team first we're always going to put the team first so this mm-hmm. idea that you're going to come in and tell us what we're going to do we'll make it work with turk wharton and Derek naughty we'll make it work with george carloftis and mike dannett there just does not seem to be any budging on the Chiefs side i think the chiefs would do right by jones i think they truly wanted to sign him to a contract extension but it's not going to be one of these things where jones's group walks into the room and says this is what you're going to pay us and and or or we're not going to show up. And it just seems to me like Brett Beach and Andy Reid are like then don't show up. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. figure it out. And they, a lot of people said last year during the off season, again, different deal. I know that a lot of people will say Jones is the Mahomes of the defense, but a lot of people said last year, the chiefs are going to fall off. They no longer have this deep threat and Tyree kill this otherworldly player. And they won the championship. So I just, I wouldn't play with that fire if I truly wanted to be a chief, but I think Jones through his actions has just showed, I don't know if I necessarily want to be a chief. I know what I want to be, and that's probably the highest paid defensive tackle. And, like, I'll let you talk, John, but, like, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> but I don't like, what I don't like I don't like is this idea where he, he comes out on Twitter and says, I want to be a chief for life, or, like, go pay Frank Clark. It's like, if if you were really truly about that energy, wouldn't you have at least had communication ongoing communication it just seems like the, the andy reed s- started saying that there's been no communication early on in training camp right like early on so there's just been no communication this entire time and again
2: two sides to tango but i, I this whole situation just befuddles me well uh, i'll just say with regard to the social media just stop just stop chris okay you're not you're not helping anyone And maybe you find it amusing to make people, you know, jump through hoops and get the media all wound up because you, you know, posted three words on X or whatever it was that you did on a given day. But it's not helping you. You're not going to get anywhere if the fans are not on your side. Okay. Let me repeat that. You're not going to get anywhere if the fans are not on your side. And right now, you're alienating the fans. So I would suggest to you just stop with that. It's it, you know, if you don't want to communicate with the Chiefs, fine. That's a legitimate tactic in negotiation. But this stuff is childish. There's no point in it. And it's not helping you. That's the most important thing, Chris. It's not helping you. Why are you doing it? I wish he would stop. Did I make that clear? Yeah, and
1: yeah. and there was a follow-up to this where where You know, there was an account that Xed or posted. I need to get used to X and posting. I've never. Right. This is a tough change. X and posting from tweeting and Twitter. Yeah. I'm working Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. Anyway, there was an exchange again that said it's going to be expensive for Chris to hold out until week eight. And he answered back again and said, I can afford it. And it, it just does not feel like in a good place. And I had never thought myself that it was gonna to get to this place. I I thought that, okay, maybe the second week of training camp, and then you you'd convince yourself the third week, the fourth week. I'm I'm done naming when I think he's I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows at this yeah. stage. And I, I think it's realistic that he does miss regular season games because it, it just doesn't seem like that him, his side wants to budge. I, I thought it was telling that. Patrick Mahomes is this players type of leader. He also spoke today and and he said, we respect Jones's decision. We'll welcome him with open arms when he comes back. And so, you know, as, as dire as the situation sounds, and I, I think it is in a, in a dire place, anything can change in, in, in the course of a phone call. So mm-hmm, right. we might be a place where recording at two o'clock on a Wednesday, we might be a place where, brett veach or jones's representatives picks up the phone at 3 12 p.m and this whole podcast beginning is obsolete so if that's the case and you're listening to it later and i hope it is uh fast forward through through this part but i i don't <laughs> i don't see this this standstill ending anytime soon and other players are gonna have to step up the chiefs are fortunate that turk wharton is back in the mix he had that little setback i, I should say that uh, among the injuries where does seem like he might play on Saturday. Another guy that we could see the first action from is running back Isaiah Pacheco, which I, I think is a, a great sign. He has had this really slow build type of rehab plan. So the Chiefs are getting some reinforcements back as this other thing is just dominating the the news cycle. John, I want to get to one more injury before we move on to the news. What is uh-huh. your concern level one to 10, 10 being the most
2: concerned about the status of cornerback Legarius Sneed? Um, I would say six, I'm a little past average with it, I think, but, but not much more past that. And I'll tell you why. And, and this is what Andy Reid said when, uh, he first showed up, uh, is an unavailable for practice. Uh, what was it two weeks ago? Thereabouts. It's been a while. He said, well, you know, he's gotta, we gotta take him off the practice field so that he'll be able to play in the regular season. We have to, we have to do this so that he can get in as much time as he can during the regular season. I think he'll be ready to play week one. I think there's a question about how much he'll be able to play over the course of the season. You know, this could reoccur. We could have him on the injury report every week and be questionable to play. Um, But, you know, if it was really serious, they would have done more with it in the off season. I think I, I don't think the chiefs are a team that's going to let something like that go if it's serious. So I'm, I'm not a, that concerned.
1: I'm at a seven or eight, just because I, I think. They, the chiefs need them. They're not confident beyond Snead when it comes to the cornerback room. Uh, I should say Sneed and McDuffie when it comes to the cornerback room, I think they're still figuring it out, which is, is not a good sign. I think you're right. I think they're just being careful with the knee swelling. I also think that Legarius Sneed is gonna be on the Tamba Ali plan. This is gonna be a season, John, of limited, 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 limited play, limited play. <laughs> like I think that I I think that's what we're in store for. And unfortunately for Sneed, even if he's able to continue to be the player that he is, which is this versatile piece, who very quietly is one of the best cornerbacks in the league, I don't know how you pay a guy like that with his contract coming up. And so I, it's t- it's tough to say, but the Chiefs have a lot of, of other folks to pay as well. Creed and Trey are coming up. Nick Bolton is coming up. I I don't think they're paying Legarius needs. So much like Charvarius Ward's final year, I think Legarius is so long as he can stay healthy enough, he will get paid by somebody. I just don't think it's going to be in Kansas City. So enjoy number thirty eight. You know, hopefully he can he can play this year. But I just I see this certainly being his last year as a Chief. Allegretti is is a tough one because he's been so good. This camp is playing all three spots, including center. He hasn't practiced in a few days with that shoulder injury. George Karloff is just sick. It sounds like he's going to be okay. Wondering about Nick Jones, the rookie. Wondering about Nico Remigio. I don't think uh, I should say Remigio, right? Uh, he, he told us on X that he's it's Remigio. I don't think he was going to make the active roster anyway, just, just based upon the numbers game. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, On him and then it's just there's been so many other stories. We haven't talked about Katarius Tony's status, but he was not ready to come back to practice this week. So we know that we'll see. I still tend to think the Chiefs keep him on the initial roster and put him on IR. I I feel like if he's not been able to work at all, even in a limited fashion, that's just what we're going to end up seeing. So those are the eight Chiefs that uh, missed Wednesday's practice and we will have an emergency podcast if and when. Chris Jones and the Chiefs make up because it is getting ugly. All right. Um, speaking of Kadarius Tony, I, I thought it was telling, and that Matt Nagy shed some light on this, John, uh, <laughs> was yesterday that uh, essentially said we have no timetable for him. I I kind of just expressed that. Uh, I jumped on myself in this rundown here, but uh, did you get that from from Nagy that it just didn't seem like Tony is a
2: definite or they know one way or another if he's going to be ready? Well, you know, the thing that st- struck me about uh, what Nagy said yesterday is it's like he's getting as much information as we are. Right. You know, he talked about, you know, what Coach Reed says and what uh, Brett Veach says and Rick Boltholder says, uh, Burkholder says. And, you know, it's like, are you guys not talking about it, you know, inside the a, facility? Or are you I just have a
1: rebuttal here on you, John, yeah. for a second, though? <laughs> if you go back in like seven, 17, I think it was, right? and and go to the press conferences when Nagy was an oc mm-hmm. this is a little bit inside football i think inside reporting but like he was a little bit more forthcoming his press conference you could tell that he's a former head coach now because he's got some former <laughs> head coach to him where yeah. he can talk for <laughs> 40 seconds and not really say much yeah. at all mm-hmm. and i I think he knows whether or not they're the quote unquote number one wide receivers playing week one. But I think he's got some former head coach to him now where he can maybe talk for 20, 30 seconds and lead you to believe one one thing or another. That's kind of my (laughs) take on it.
2: (laughs) Well, I I I, I don't disagree with that, uh, honestly. I just thought it was funny the way he phrased it, you know, naming those three people. I mean, what does Brett Beach have to do with it? you know but he did make a statement about it here a couple of weeks ago where he said that they the team expects him to be ready for week 1 but normally Brett Veach isn't in that loop about determining whether or not a player is going to be ready for week 1 so i thought it amused me that he mentioned veach and it seemed to me it was just because veach had made a public statement about it so i don't disagree with you i think you're exactly right he does he does have that head coach vibe when he speaks and he did speak for 45 seconds or so and really told us nothing about it. So that, that checks off that box as well. I just was amused by the names he brought up. Maybe, maybe that's some, some
1: former Delaware blue hen football and trying to make Dan Campbell prepare (laughs) for somebody. He doesn't have to, you know, just (laughs) make sure you're, you're ready for a good Tony. We might surprise you, but yeah, I, I'm not confident about Tony um, playing, Week one, I I've said it before. I think he'll be on IR after he makes the initial roster. Sure, and and we'll see. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I know the statement you're talking about, where they said organizationally we think there's a chance, or we think he'll be good to go. I just have trouble seeing it. Uh, This story from uh, one of the position coach days, uh, Dave Merritt said that Williams and Watson will continue to compete for the third cornerback role. This is tough because I I, and this is what I was kind of getting to with the Sneed stuff. It's like, well. Legarius is is your your cornerback uh, outside and they were running Trent McDuffie inside in the nickel uh, and then they're still rotating Williams and Watson and if Snead isn't ready which is a possibility then you're having to play Williams and Watson we've also noticed at training camp and you saw it in the preseason game that they're using Williams or Watson and have now started to mix in Shamari Connor as the nickel and they're taking somebody out of the safety room so Man, uh, you would think that after a year of what Williams and Watson showed last year and then being a camp, they'd have a little bit more of a grasp of this thing. And I just don't love the uncertainty in that room at the top. Like, I think McDuffie is a stud. But I, the fact that Dave Merritt was ready to tell you, like, yeah, we we still don't know. We'd love somebody to want this job. I, I didn't love hearing. It. I don't <laughs> think that's a, a good sign necessarily, John.
2: Well, I, I, I understand. And at face value, I agree with you. On the other hand, I think there's also some value in rotating these guys and putting the guy out there that is the best fit against a particular offense when it comes to your stadium or when you go to their stadium. So there's, you know, there, your uncertainty is always your friend when you're uh, planning a a game uh, against an NFL opponent, if they don't know which player is going to be out there, that's, you know, one more thing they have to worry about is being prepared for two different players who might be in a particular position. So there is, there is some silver lining to that. And I wondered, I wondered when Merritt said that, how much of that was really true. You know, this was my,
1: this was my, that was what my question was. That's how I worded it with Merritt. And that's why I, I didn't love the answer because I was like are, do you I almost was asking do you guys see an advantage in rotating these guys do you yeah do uh-huh. that? and he was like no we would love one to just be the guy so I I think if I'll tell you this i I think if the season began tomorrow mm-hmm. I think this would be the the cornerbacks I think it would be Josh Williams and Trent mcDuffie on the outside and then Connor would end up being the nickel uh, right. Cornerback, even though he, he's technically a safety on this roster, and then Watson would be that first cornerback if if Williams or or uh, I should say McDuffie were to get hurt or something like that, I think Watson would be that next one up. And, oh, and it's a being the dime, also, yeah, right. and it's yeah. a little bit of a fall from grace from Watson because I I think he had he had a grasp on that job last year, and so mm-hmm. he very quietly I think lost it uh, as camp gone on. Uh, someone who didn't quietly lose their job. Is generic Prince. Generic Prince has been buried. (laughs) We were very high on him on this podcast. I was very high on him. I'm happy to tell you guys that I was very impressed early on in camp with the pass catching. Then we got up to camp after the first preseason game, and he was the last running back touching the football. I think this is totally a situation where they like him. They think he's raw. Probably not in love with his pass protection. Lamichael Piran has been in the, the league for a few years. I think if the Chiefs were to I think if the Chiefs were to keep four running backs, it's going to be Pirine. But I'll tell you, John, I don't even know if they're going to keep four anymore. I think both of these guys may end up on uh, the practice squad. But if one makes it uh, as that fourth back, this would be behind uh, Isaiah Pacheco, Jerick McKinnon, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think it's going to be Pirine. With that experience, that pass protection, it seems like he has a grasp of the playbook. Um, that's just how I feel at this point. It's a shame because I... I think we had high hopes for generic Prince, but not everybody can, can make the roster, as they say, John.
2: Well, there's a couple of things about that. One is that we always probably exaggerate Dave Tobe's influence. Right. Um, because, you That's know, he's, he's a little more reliable as an indicator than a lot of things, which are very fluid, you know. But if Tobe is high on a guy and then the guy makes the team, you got to figure, well, Tobe was, you know, pounding the table for him. So that's one issue there is that we can be blinded
1: very quickly though. In the second preseason game, it was James. as the first kick returner. He was punt returning and kick returning. So even that has now fallen the wayside for, for Prince, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. So when it starts off with Dave Tobe talking about Prince, then that's where we start. That's our starting place, you know, and that was going on back in June. So we came into camp thinking this guy was going to be fantastic. So that's, I think, an important point here. And I had another one that I've now forgotten because I'm an old man and I'll think of it yeah. here again in a minute. So.
1: I did write an article on AP. You can go find it where why generic Prince is a good bet to make the 53 man roster. So nobody, nobody better tweet that at me on Tuesday. <laughs> <Could> <laughs> Don't be, at could, me. Could be talking about next year. And I said tweet again. Nobody post at me on on (laughs) Tuesday. Do me a favor. Don't post at me.
2: Nobody X me, please. Please. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, The Chiefs uh, Chiefs quarterback
1: Patrick Mahomes wants to see the return of the quarterback sneak. I don't think Andy Reid's ever going to call it. If Mahomes wants to do it, he better call it himself and he better be ready for whatever repercussions would would happen. Because I just don't Mm -hmm. think Andy Reid is ever going to do it. I do think this and I just don't understand why it's not happening yet. With Jalen Hurts in the push, tush, uh, or, or I should say the tush push, and just how successful it was last year with everybody knowing like it's coming and just not being able to do anything about it. Why aren't you putting Shane Bouchel, who appears to be heading for the no- quarterback, too? Or if you don't want to risk Shane, even, like, why aren't you putting um, Blake Bell and then doing the Eagles thing? Like, it, it can't be st- the 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 tush push cannot be stopped i don't i don't blame andy reid for having these this trouble with like not wanting to risk mahomes especially sure. when he got injured yeah. on the play mm-hmm. but i just don't get why everybody is because there was a, a conversation this this offseason john about stopping that play because the eagles were, what was it like 90 percent they were getting the first down and so why isn't everyone just saying no we're going to do this and why aren't the chiefs just doing it with somebody else and because like i said back to that point you know it's coming and they're getting the first down anyway.
2: Well, I I think that's fair. And I and I you could even do if you don't want Mahomes to do it, you could even do right. it without sending Bouchelle out there. You could do it with with Blake Bell. Yes. And he could take the snap and have those guys behind him push him through the line. Uh, and you know, as long as I, I think part of the trouble that what happened in the preseason game was that Bell didn't know he didn't recognize the coverage had changed, that the formation on the opposite side had changed. And he, and he could, you know, they needed to be able to option out of that and go the other way. And I think that's what both Reed and Mahomes referred to when they said they looked at that play and realized they had to make some changes. And I think they have made those changes. They said, okay, if you go out there and it's empty on the left side, then let's go to the left side. Call that. Right. Because they could have, in that particular play, they could have done it. But to your point, there's no reason that Blake Bell can't run that play and be pushed through the line or there's no reason he can't if necessary to fool the defense back up and throw a pass right with you know guys in front of him who can block in the middle of the line and they can you know nobody's expecting that when Blake Bell is under center and there's two guys behind him getting ready to push him through the line i i, right. I agree i think they should be doing this If they're not going to outlaw it, then let's let every team do it. And eventually they will will outlaw it. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) Right. I just, I don't get, and maybe it is, maybe it's something that they just haven't wanted to show in the preseason. It just feels a little obvious to me, but you know, I'm not, that doesn't always mean like, I thought it was obvious that Prince would make the roster early on in camp. And and sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of rookies, uh, Chiefs rookie Rashid Rice says he models his game after DeAndre Hopkins. I, I had an exchange with Rashid Rice this week. That was actually kind of funny. Mahomes had mentioned Sammy Watkins uh, as his comparison following the last preseason game, for, you know, comparison for rice. And I asked rice about it. And like, you could tell, like, I don't think he loved being compared to Sammy Watkins, but then he asked <laughs> is, you know, did Mahomes say it? And I said, yeah, and he goes, yes. Then I, I feel that way too. But then later on, uh, someone else asked him about who he models his game after. And, and he said, Deandre Hopkins, Which I think, and and I looked up his rookie numbers, DeAndre Hopkins in his rookie year had, uh, I believe, 80 catches for 800 yards, something like that, two touchdowns. I would take that for Rasheed Rice in his first year and then potentially going on to have the career that DeAndre Hopkins had. What what about you, John?
2: I'd be okay with that, sure. But I'd also have to say that if somebody compared me to Sammy Watkins and, you know, thought that I believed in lizard people or, you know, whatever else is going on in in Sammy's head at a given time, I might take issue with that as well. I think we should make that point in fairness to, to rice here.
1: I need to correct my line on Hopkins's rookie year was 2013. I don't want a correction X to get at me. It was 2013. (laughs) It was 52, 52 catches for 802 yards and two touchdowns, which, you know what I would take, that would be a great rookie year. And then Hopkins then went on to have two 1,000-yard seasons back-to-back, took a break, and then had one, two, four. So, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player to model your career after. Danny Shelton confirmed, or I should say determined, to make the active roster in 2023. I think he's got a shot with all the stuff that's going on with the defensive tackle. I think that he's looked pretty good in the preseason. I think the Chiefs have really liked that he has lost weight. I thought it was telling that. Steve Spagnola was asked to name anyone that has stood out the other day. And, and he said, Danny Shelton, I don't know how I'm going to get him into my next projection, John, but I am going to work <laughs> those numbers and, yeah. and see it, it's tough, man. When you get to all these positions, it's it just, does, it does start to make you think what would the chiefs ever consider things like maybe not having a third quarterback, or as I was alluding to before, not having a fourth running back or having more defensive linemen that you could potentially rotate in. I know that Jared has made this point, which I I think is a good one in saying it's very hard for these vested vets to make the week one roster because then it becomes the contract becomes guaranteed for the year. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times maybe it won't, you know, won't won't be uh, until week two that you see uh, Danny Shelton. But I I think he has a way better chance this year, John, of contributing than he did last year, which was not much at all.
2: Absolutely. And I was very pleased to read that article. And see this fella who's been in the league for quite a while. Um, And actually, signing into the practice squad, it almost seemed like, well, I don't want to call it a joke because that's disrespectful to Shelton, who's had a very good career in the NFL. And I don't want to disrespect the man, but I, I don't think anybody thought when he was on the practice squad last year that it was going to amount to anything. It just looked like. Oh, you know, the Chiefs want to have this guy because they want to work on some plays with a defensive lineman running the ball or something, you know, as and we've seen that, of course, (laughs) in the preseason. Um, But I I think people just didn't really take it seriously. And And I think that's unfortunate, but it is what it is in a situation like this. So I'm very pleased to see the man say, yeah, you know, this is not okay with me. You know, I don't want to live my life this way. I want to be on somebody's active roster. I want to play. Well, good for you, brother. Go out there and get it. And I'm I'm pleased that he has caught Spagnolo's eye in that way.
1: I think he's got some juice. I don't know if if we could find a way for him on that that initial roster, but I think he's got some juice. I think he'll stick around the team should he not find work elsewhere. Which I think in some of the some of the work that he's shown in the preseason, it, um, he he. He may get picked up by somebody else who has a bigger role mm-hmm, for him, which yeah. it, he kind of alluded to in his press the other day. I'm think I'm wondering if he if he believes he's gonna make a 53 man roster, but it's just not gonna be with the Chiefs. We shall see. All right, Dave Till predicted there's gonna be more fair catches in 2023. I think this is an easy prediction. There's gonna be some <laughs> special team coordinators out there who say if it gets to a certain yard point, we're not running it back because you can just advance it to the 25. Um, I I thought it was interesting that he that he said he there could be more squib kicks this year, which is you know when they bounce the ball, uh, you kick the ball right. off and they bounce it, so you have to end up returning it, which actually be like a more dangerous uh, set mm-hmm. of circumstances, yeah. which would kind of defeat the whole purpose of the thing. This really feels like one of these things that is going to be a one year thing, and I don't necessarily think it, it it means that that'll just go away in 2024, but I. I wonder if they keep adjusting it to the point where they go with the XFL kickoff, which actually looks like it would be better. Um, yeah, and keeps kick, kick kick returns in the game.
2: I you know I thought the same thing. I happened to see a, a clip of the. I haven't watched any XFL games. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I just don't have time Shots. for that in my life. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I have I have dogs and you know a wife and all those things. But um, mm-hmm. the the uh, I, I saw a clip of that and I thought, well, that's a creative way to do it. And it keeps players from getting injured unnecessarily. And then there's still a chance of a big return. I think, how do, how does that not appeal to everybody involved? I just think that it's an excellent uh, suggestion and it's much better than a lot of the other ones that I've heard, at least in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. We'll, we'll see
1: as Tobas alluded to uh, teams are returning in the preseason to see what they have, but you really sure. won't be able to tell how much they'll they'll be doing this until we get to the regular season when, for example, if if you you get it at the one and you just say, well, let's just give it to Patrick Mahomes at the twenty five. You know, maybe though we'll be we'll be even some pressure in Kansas City to do that. Andy Reid will of course weigh in. You've made that that point before, John, which I I think is always a good one because tob gets blamed for a lot. And just there's just this grand assumption that he's just acting on his own, and him and Andy yeah. don't have the same type of thought process with some of the stuff. So if they end up changing it, it'll, it'll be Andy involved as well, and so we'll see what the Chiefs end up doing. Well, I think when Andy's
2: we, always involved just because he's the yeah. head coach, you know, I don't think, I don't think that Steve Spagnolo is a rogue. I don't think Dave Tobe is a rogue. They do what it is that Andy wants. Fred Feach, do. Mark Donovan. Right. Heck, yeah. even Hunt <laughs> listens sometimes. All
1: right. When we come back, we will name our training camp and preseason awards. Steve will join us. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Thankfully, training camp has come and gone, which means it's award time. I think this is the first annual ever training camp and preseason awards on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I'm now joined, of course, by John Dixon, who I announced earlier, but also our Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta. Serta, you are a big time movie guy, so you know all about uh, award season.
0: I do. I'm not a huge fan of award shows, but I guess I do track Oscars and things like I, I'm, that big
1: time. I'm just remembering that. this, John. Don't you and your lovely bride watch every Oscar nomination or try yeah, to? Yeah, we do.
2: It? Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. And we have a party where people make, you know, Oscar themed uh, treats and stuff. And it, it sometimes it's more uh, it's more carefully arranged than it is at other times. But yes, every year we try and watch a group of people gets together to watch it. And Terry and I have been to those marathon things that they have at the movie theaters where you go and see a bunch of the Oscar movies all in one one sitting. We've done that, too. So, yeah. I have that was a the thing. Is that a pay oh, yeah. one price?
1: Pay one oh, price to yeah. so see three movies?
2: Yeah. And you, and you can come and go from wow. the theater at your leisure. You get to reserve your seat. Yeah. You can bring in uh you know ottoman if you want to and i would love to do that oh yeah it's really
1: cool i'd love to do that if chris jones would sign but i just i can't take the chance of being (laughs) off my phone for Uh, now once he signs take some time go see
0: some more
1: go see some movies anything but barbie all right let's get to the awards (laughs) we have most disappointing player best newcomer most pleasant surprise comeback player of the camp Offensive player of the camp and then defensive player of the camp. Here are the rules. Uh, We're each going to just name our own winner and we'll alternate who names what first. And the caveat is if someone says your name, you have to pivot and use a different name. So we're coming up with with some different ideas here. So let's start with most disappointing player and let's go to the most negative person that's ever on the podcast. And that's Steve Serta, who is (laughs) the biggest disappointment of training camp.
0: I'm I'm tempted to say Chris Jones, but I'm not (laughs) going to say Chris Jones because he hasn't even been there. So I want to include players that have actually had to go through training camp. And I guess this is a bad option, too, but this is who I'm actually picking. And it's Kadarius. Tony Um, got hurt on the very first training camp practice, and, and we haven't seen him since. And he's still not ready. And. I think that optimism, if there was any, that he would be ready for week one should probably not be there anymore. Um, I'm not confident that he's going to play for the Chiefs in week one, and I'm not confident that he can stay healthy for an entire season. And that was something we were hoping to see from him this season. And the first time he set foot on a football field, he got hurt and we haven't seen him again.
1: It's just really bad, really bad, almost like a parody of himself in the first five minutes of training (laughs) camp. He lives up to the problem. With with how he can't stay on the field. So talented, but can't stay on the field. And there there you saw it again. Um, All right, John, uh, no Tony for you. Who was your most disappointing player?
2: Well, uh, I had Tony on my list, so I have to cross him off. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go ahead and use the player that I crossed off and replaced with Tony. And that would be Chris Jones. Yes, <laughs> I, th- really I think bet. I've already I think I've already made it pretty clear how unhappy I am with the way Chris Jones is handling this situation. I'm very disappointed in him as a person, uh, and I I know you know I, I respect that you want to provide for your family, and get the best deal. I get that, sir. I totally right. do, but be mature in the public eye. That's all I ask. I don't think that's very Western too much. State has a fantastic soft serve
1: machine too, that he didn't even get a crack at uh, this <laughs> year. Not that. Oh, that's a big deal. That. Yeah.
2: Uh, that's a big, I
1: deal. had. So I, I think Chris Jones and Kadir is Tony, the obvious ones. I don't, I don't blame you guys. I had KT and Chris Jones written down here too. I also had uh, Jalen Watson and generic Prince. And we talked about Prince on the other side. And we actually talked about Watson, but I think Watson had a stronghold on being one of the top three cornerbacks. And uh, and I think he lost. I think he lost that. And so to me, going from that 99 yard return, where like now you're the guy. I know you're a seventh rounder, but you're beating out a, a fourth rounder week in and week out. And you made the play of the game in a division game, prime time. And now you're just like fighting the rookie safety to keep him off the field. It just seems like a little bit of a mini fall from grace. So I'm going to say Jalen Watson is my most disappointing player. All right, John, we'll start with you for best newcomer
2: i like uh i like all of the veterans they brought in uh and so i'll just pick one of them at random eeny meeny miny drew tranquil um i think has been a very a very good player and i like him and i uh, i think he's it was a great selection by brett Veach in the offseason plays all three positions I, I caught him the other
1: day uh during uh, our look, it was, it was indoors, it was about 175 degrees. He was working directly with Steve Spagnolo on some handwork stuff. So the thing I like about him is is he's he, he was signed into this contract year, and he's really worked hard to learn all three positions quickly. I have mentioned several times about how impressed I am that he was making the calls in his first year when everyone was always so confused by by Steve Spagnolo and his defense. So I, I agree with you. I think that's a good one. Steve, let's go to you for best newcomer.
0: I thought about. I'm gonna pick a rookie. I was gonna pick a, a veteran player too, like John. But I'm gonna pick a rookie now since John picked a veteran. Uh, I'm gonna go with Rishi Rice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's just got the one preseason game where he was heavily involved, and the Chiefs were going out of their way to get him the ball. And you know, he spent a lot of time with Shane Bouchelle. But I, I think we saw a glimpse of what he can contribute to the Chiefs this season. And when they drafted him in the second round at the NFL draft, I was a little bit skeptical uh, about Rasheed Rice and him having an impact immediately because mm, we just yeah. kind of saw this whole thing play out last year with Sky Moore. And I was like, I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> but, but, you know, with what we've seen so far in the season in the preseason where, you know, Justin Ross is clearly coming on the field after Rasheed Rice, like Rasheed Rice yes. is clearly ahead of Justin Ross right now yeah. in the pecking order, and even though he's still probably going to be a project wide receiver, who's got a lot of things to work on and get better at is a rookie. I think the chiefs know exactly how they want to use him when he is on the field. And that's something that's important because he he's got that yak ability and he he's got the the physical tool set to find a way to get on the field in a way that sky more couldn't last year. So I'm actually really excited about Rasheed rice after the
2: preseason. You know, what the- coaches say the most important ability is yak ability. Sorry. That's right. I had to yes. get that in
1: there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I had all three of these guys actually on my list. Drew Tranquil, Rashie Rice, and then my actual number one was Richie James. I think Richie James was a pleasant surprise. Um I just think uh no, he was the best newcomer. I know that we have a pleasant surprise award, so I'm, I'm, I'm he was our best newcomer, not, not a pleasant surprise. Um, but he was the, the best newcomer in the in the sense that He's shoring up the punt return position. He's now apparently, based upon what we've seen, we haven't said Dave Topes since the last game, but he looks like he's going to be the kick returner as well, which means the Chiefs really like when he has his ball in the hands. I think he offers Patrick Mahomes a really interesting player, and I know that Andy Reid is going to use him in a lot of unique ways, maybe similar to some of the looks we saw from a McColl Hardman in previous years. I think that he has a lot of sh- shiftiness when he gets into the open field. I think Richie James is, is this player that, really went under the radar and shouldn't have he had 600 yards Mm -hmm. in the nfl last year and he probably deserved more attention and i think now he's finally starting to get it with the training camp of preseason he had now to most pleasant surprise and i'll say turk warden i thought turk warden would start the year on pup missing the first six weeks i thought it was impossible for him to uh, be on the roster week one pup and if he had stayed on it would have cost him the first uh, I believe four to six weeks. John, what is it? Uh, six weeks of the season for PUP? Or it's, four or no, now? it's four. It's four. Oh, just four like weeks in IR. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And then
1: one day at training camp, I went up there and he ran out onto the field and was good to go. Uh, did have a little bit of a setback, but good to see him back in the mix. Sounds like he has a good chance of playing on Saturday against the Browns. So I'm eager to see what he can do. But I just didn't think they'd have him for the beginning of the year. So that's my pleasant surprise. Turk Wharton. Steve, we'll go back to you.
0: My pleasant surprise is cornerback Echo Boydo. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I actually kind of like cracked a joke on UP at one point when, you know, we're doing our tra- daily training camp updates and you're really hyping up this undrafted cornerback and, oh, yeah. and the role that he's finding himself in, especially after Nazi Johnson got hurt and is going to miss the entire season. And I think it's just a really fun story. Like that's that's what you want. That's the kind of players and the stories that you want out of training camp. Like this local kid who undrafted player comes in and seems to have played himself into a situation where he might make this roster at the very least. I think the Chiefs he's going to be a serious practice squad candidate. And for an undrafted player, that's a really big deal. And that's something we're celebrating for a local player. So I'm just Pete hyped me up and made me by end into the story and now i'm just excited for him individually as a person
1: i like echo i i was impressed by him i'm i'm having trouble fitting him onto the 53 just because of of right. John and <clears throat> we talked about what dave tope said about um some of just the problems with his weight as far as being able to play um special teams you know dave tope said he's a little light and so if he's not going to be at the top of that cornerback room tough to say but i think I think he is going to be on the practice squad. And I think if there were to be an injury during the year, you could see him. I mean, the chiefs are not afraid to put young defensive backs on the field. Shout out to Echo's brother who said, hi, he is a listener of the Arrowhead pride podcast uh, network. So he's going to be especially happy Steve uh, that you uh, picked him for the pleasant surprise. John, who is your pleasant surprise?
2: Well, I've got three here that neither of you have mentioned, and so I'm having a difficult time deciding. It's been <laughs> nice that, I, that others get knocked off the list and it focuses me on, on something. So uh, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Donovan Smith. Nice. Um, there was a lot of concern, a lot of, uh, you know, gnashing of teeth, about whether, yeah, John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, about yeah. Donovan Smith, because he didn't have, he did not have a good season last year and it was reasonable. I think it was perfectly reasonable for people to be concerned that he would have the same problems this year, but it was also perfectly reasonable to expect that he could get past those problems because of injuries last year. So far, always the caveat so far, he's looked pretty good and that's all they need is pretty good because that's all they had was pretty good and since they've made a move forward with with john taylor on the right side that means an improvement on the offensive line and that's what we were all looking for
1: yeah pat pat mahomes has said uh these past few weeks that he's wanted to take a hit in the preseason and he hasn't been able to not to say that he hasn't got out of trouble but for the most part, the offensive line has been pretty good. And I think Donovan Smith and and Jawan Taylor are pretty big part of that. If this is the best pass protection that Patrick Mahomes has ever had, and he's already won two MVPs, what does that mean for Mm -hmm. 2023? I I think that's an early uh, good sign, John, uh, before we move on, who were your two honorable mentions here in pleasant?
2: Oh, uh, Chamari Connor. Uh, I didn't really expect a whole lot out of him a fourth round pick, but uh, I was very impressed with what, uh spagnolo had to say about him uh yesterday there's an article about that on um, ArrowheadPride.com. that's worth your worth your while i think and then danny shelton who mm. dies, uh, of whom i spoke earlier and um he's been a very pleasant surprise as well for all the reasons i mentioned before by the, by the way danny shelton looks great I'm, I'm excited if he can find a way to make this roster
0: he's lost a lot more than 12 pounds this offseason <laughs> uh, okay he looks great what, he looks like he he's a Carb- great shape
1: Carb rotating or carb Yeah, yeah. Carb carb cycling, I think. Cycling. That's carb right. cycling, carb right. Carb right, cycling. right. I've been just yeah. doing
2: plain old cycling. I got to start cycling my carbs. I all know right, that I, I lose weight when I rotate my tires because, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. lots more work than I typically do sitting at my my desk all day. I have
1: lost <laughs> weight uh, just standing at practice the last three days in the 100 degree <laughs> weather. All right. Comeback player of the camp award. Steve, we'll go back to you. Comeback player of the camp.
0: Uh, I, I feel like this has got to be everyone's number one choice and it's Justin Ross. Um, oh yeah. Just for, and he's another incredible story out of chiefs training camp. Like I think it's safe to say we all believe he is truly a lock for this roster now. Um, just what he's shown in the preseason and, and what he's shown up in St. Joe, like, He looks like he can be an impact player if he can stay healthy and if given the opportunity in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. And you know, I still think Rasheed Rice is clearly ahead of him. Richie James might be ahead of him right now. We'll see on that. But I think Justin Ross is going to take the field for the Chiefs at some point this season and have an opportunity to make an impact. And for a player who's gone through the significant amount of injuries and gone through everything to get to this point, it's really, really impressive that he's been able to do this.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, I'm always forward in saying I was a non believer that he would be able to have the durability to last through training camp and last for the preseason. One more game to go, but yeah, he'll he'll be on the roster should should he make it through. And I, I tend to think he will. And he's looked impressive. I mean he has had Certain plays at camp that, you know, you could tell only a guy his size and athleticism can make it. I think he had one in one of the preseason games that that move, that nasty move down the right sideline, I, I thought was really mm-hmm. impressive. And so, yeah, I like Justin Ross for the comeback player of the camp. John, we'll go to you.
2: Um, yeah. You know, it's so easy just to pick a player who is injured um but i went a little bit different direction here i'm gonna go with give give steven a little elbow with his pick it was was the obvious i mean there's other there's other i mean i have ross on my list as well could you imagine if one of us didn't pick justin ross right Uh, i know
0: i guess
2: (laughs) would forget about
1: the five stars one star is galore yeah
2: yeah no i i had ross on my list as well but i think that i'm going to go with the middle guy on my list who is sky moore Mm. Now, a lot of question marks about Sky Moore, about whether he can really uh, turn the corner and be an effective player in his second uh, season, which is what you expect from a second round player in the NFL. But I especially like how he has come back from uh, the adversity of what he had to go through last season on special teams as a punt returner. That cannot have been easy for him to do. And I, I'm impressed with the way he's handled and handled himself since then. Uh, and even last season, I was impressed. And I, I think that that's a, a big plus uh, about his character. And character matters in the NFL. And so I, I that's why I had him on my list as a comeback player. I like that one.
1: I'm going to stay in the wide receiver room and say Amir Smith-Marset. I, I feel mm, like yeah. this was a guy whose career was over. And now we're talking about the eighth receiver. There's people on Twitter that on X that are this is the X show steve that are <laughs> are saying like how do the chiefs keep eight receivers and believe me i've actually tried to figure it out myself i there's they can't uh so i just think amir smith marset has done enough between what has happened in the preseason and really i think the preseason games to at least merit some kind of spot somewhere he has this incredible return ability and i i I see him at practice, and he's the second returner you know, behind a Richie James when it comes to punt returns. And so I, I think the Chiefs would like to retain him on the practice squad. And, and in the case something happened to James or you know, in one of those special COVID special teams call-ups, you could actually have him uh, in the mix. But I, I just think his career, it felt like it was over uh, or getting close to it. And I, I think maybe that we've seen a resurgence very quietly from Amir Smith-Marset. All right, John, we'll go back to you for the offensive player of the camp. And a disclaimer here, we're taking
2: away the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be somebody else. Somebody besides Mahomes. Okay. well, um, I have three names here. I don't have any of them crossed off because I went first here. And just so I can make this point, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice because I was very impressed with him um, and the preseason game on Saturday. He got a variety of different looks. He caught a variety of different kinds of passes. Did great with all three quarterbacks. What else can you want from uh, a rookie player than to have 100 yards in a pre- on eight catches in a preseason game? I mean, I just thought he looked fantastic. And uh, that's been the case during camp practices as well. So uh, that's, that's a pretty easy choice, I think.
1: Rasheed Rice is really going to make a case for bucking that trend of the first receiver or first-year receiver in Andy Reid's offense. They're, they're going to be pressured to get him involved just because he's looked so good, I, I think, in this preseason. So kudos to him for doing that. John's offensive player of the camp, Rasheed Rice. All right, Steve, let's go to you. I'm going to go with the wide receiver, too, and I'm going to go with Sky Moore.
0: Um wow. Because I think that that was the biggest question coming into the season and i never wavered on my belief that sky Moore can be a good player and be a contributing member of this chief's pass catching group uh but i know a lot of people did because he just didn't get on the field as a rookie Mm -hmm. and didn't have the opportunity to do that but everything before training camp was like sky is locked in and he's Working out with Mahomes, and he he's he's out here trying to outwork every wide receiver on the team, and I think we saw that carry over into training camp, where he has legitimately established himself as uh, number one, top of the rotation wide receiver on this roster with the starting group, and he's going to have a big role. And I thought Rocky uh, made a really good point on the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show this past week when the chiefs needed something to happen on third down, they put sky Moore in the game and went right to him. And then that for that third down conversion is what carried over into the long uh, chiefs touchdown drive that Patrick Mahomes capitalized on. Like, I-, I think that sky Moore has really, really improved in year number two and I'm excited to actually see it unfold in the regular
1: season. Sky Moore's right. Sky Moore was my first pick. Steve sniped it there. I, I just think the NFL isn't ready for what they're about to see. And it, it, it is impressive that at the beginning of camp that that Chiefs fans, and and I think rightfully so, were a little panicked that all of a sudden they didn't have Kadarius Toney. But through his play every day at camp, and as you said, Steve, in the preseason, it just looks like he is going to be the guy. And I wonder if he's going to be the guy even when Kadarius is healthy and, and ready to go. I, mm-hmm. I just really have liked what uh, Sky Moore has done. Mine, I cheated a little bit, but I just said the offensive line, the starting offensive line as a whole, uh. which we touched upon, especially the interior. Watching these OLDL drills every day, and you know, I guess you could say some of this has to do with the defensive linemen. I don't think it does. I just think that the interior of the offensive line is just one of the best in the league, and I think that actually helps the two tackles as well. It made Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown look really good. We'll see. I like Andrew Wiley. We'll see. and and I actually do like Orlando Brown. But we'll see what they look like this year when I, I feel like they're going to have lesser interiors. And I just think this offensive line is going to be the best that Mahomes has ever had uh, and ever played with. And you know maybe we see seven thousand yards, Steve. Maybe maybe he should be drafted in the first round of fantasy drafts again. Um, all right, let's go to the defensive player of the camp um i'll go first i don't think i've gone first in a while camp is a is a fickle thing uh and and this is kind of like an honorary defensive player of the camp award and it's to nazi johnson nazi johnson was pushing Mm. to start uh and i he would have been the the MVP, I think he I think he had a damn good chance to win that starting job. And we've talked about it a couple times in the show. I don't think Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson have really grabbed it this year. They were replaced by by Nazi Johnson. The only reason that they are getting playing time now is because Johnson ended up tearing his ACL. So you hope the recovery is good. You hope you see him next year. But to the point where he got injured, I think it was like two weeks into camp, he was playing the best. And I think everyone would have said he's the defensive player of camp. So I'm not going to rule him out for this award. I'm going to give him the honorary uh, defensive player of the camp, and we'll just have to see next year. All right, John.
2: Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh, Trent McDuffie, um, who I think had a really solid camp, uh, frequently saw his name making good plays, which is exactly what you want to see in a first-round pick. He did it last year. He continues to do it in camp this year. Uh, He's a leader on the field. He's a versatile guy. What else do you want? Um, I think he's he's really showing that he was the right pick for the Chiefs in the first round last year.
1: I like the McDuffie pick. McDuffie looks just looks like a slam dunk first rounder. Like sometimes like we have these conversations about, well, I don't know, Karloftis, definitely not Clyde, but like it's so clear that they nailed that trade up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and he looks like a guy, like, you know, should he stay healthy? I know he had the injury last year that you're gonna really want to think about paying because I think he could be that lockdown guy undersized but doesn't play like it he just he's so good and he always sticks with every receiver I'm really impressed with McDuffie excited for what what his year is going to be like in 2023 all right Steve lock it down we're we're at the hour mark here what what is your defensive player of the camp
0: I'm taking a rookie and I feel like that's a surprise for this particular award but I'm taking Chiefs first round pick Felix and DK Uzama um King Felix I just don't think uh, enough was made uh, about the thumb surgery that he had after the draft that kind of held him out of rookie mini camp and OTAs and kind of led into his slow start of training camp because they were really working him slow, making sure he's healthy, making sure he's ready to go at this level, at this speed and whatever. And so far, the returns on him have looked like he is one of the more versatile pass rushers the Chiefs have on this roster right now. Like, he's looked really good in both preseason performances. Spags has been really complimentary of him after training camp and practice and the way that he's improved. And, you know, just thinking back to the NFL draft, where I, I really, truly believe that the Chiefs wanted to draft Nolan Smith there. And when the Eagles sniped Nolan Smith, it was then, OK, next guy on the board is Felix. And to kind of fall into that for a player who looks like he's got a chance to have a big impact is, is really cool. And and he played at K-State, and with Charles Amenhu being suspended, Chris Jones up in the air, like Felix is going to wind up having a much bigger role early on in the season than I think any of us could have initially imagined.
1: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the, the pressure – and the pass rush has come inside for the chiefs in recent years, because Chris Jones has been so good as you're seeing them pivot. Like Andy Reid was asked today, who's who has stood out in the defensive line. He didn't name any tackles. He named George and he named Felix or, or was it Mahomes? Was it Mahomes? Yeah. Mahomes did. Uh, Andy named George and Dana, but in them both saying it, I just find that they're preparing like to maybe have these two big houses in the center and like really relying on the outside <laughs> pass rush to get to the quarterback like what if you put Turk Wharton next to Derek Nottie what if you put if a Danny Shelton were to make it next to Derek Nottie and you have these guys really working on the outside and making sure nothing gets through that middle I I think they may change the pass rush philosophically if they have to play without Chris Jones and you're gonna have to do that and I think that's a that's a that's a bold pick Steve I don't know if he was the the defensive player of the camp but I I like this I like the spunk there
2: uh, he was uh, a <laughs> second place in snaps Uh, in Saturday night's game, he was the second leading snap getter on the defense. And, uh, and I, you know, kept seeing him in the backfield. Seems like Um, a player
0: they're ramping up for a big role on defense.
2: Yeah. And I, uh, and yeah, of course they were playing the Cardinals. It's not like they were playing the San Francisco 49ers or, or, you know, one of these contending teams in the, in the NFC West, but, um, you know he was he was making a difference in that game Saturday night I noticed it and I think other people did too so I I, I get the bold pick here Steve I think that's a good one
1: KSU to Kansas City <laughs> what a story wow wow all right that's it uh we have gone through uh, the latest news and uh I'm sure Chris Jones is gonna li- listen to this and be ticked off uh, we have given out the training camp and the preseason awards. Thank you to Steve. Uh, thank you to our John Dixon. Remember now, uh, Steve, I, I'm not forgetting. We are switching to Monday. So if you're used to getting your off season arrowhead pride editor show on Wednesday, we'll now switch to Monday and uh, pretty soon here, we will have the grand return of everyone's favorite segment, the marinated takeaways, which I know people are looking forward to. We haven't had a game to talk about in a long time. So that's exciting. If you like the Arrowhead pride editor show, Please leave us a rating and a review. You can also leave a review about any of the podcasts. We'll read the review right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We're looking for three by the time we get to Monday. This is a big challenge. I mean, we're already at Wednesday here. So uh, we'd like to read three new ones by Monday. That is the challenge. Appreciate John. Appreciate Steve. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's
2: Show.